0: Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnick, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. As a humanist, my faith lies in humanity, not in the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. On this week's episode, I talk with Nathan Robinson, founder of Current Affairs Magazine and a coffee shop buddy of mine we talk about the overlap between ideology and religion. This has been a question on my mind since I read Yuval Noah Harari's book, Homo Sapiens, in which he made the claim that ideologies like capitalism, Marxism, humanism, and other ideological systems function as modern day religions. Rather than a bird's eye view of history, Harari likes to take, as he calls it, a satellite eye view. And from that vantage point, he says, ideology and religion no longer seem like two different processes, but rather they are sweeping socio-historical patterns of human coordination which guide human action both individually and collectively. From Harari's perspective, whether or not an ideology is tied with a supernatural system is beside the point. He argues that functionally, ideology works in the same way as religion. I personally still go back and forth on whether Harari's assumption holds. Uh, Maybe both the words religion and ideology are actually limiting concepts, or two different expressions of a broader pattern of human social coordination. Regardless of what the truth is, Nathan and I have a great time delving into the ways in which various ideologies and ideological movements have come to resemble religious movements, with their own versions of sacred texts, saints, sacred sites, and even earthly afterlives. If you have your own ideas about the difference between ideology and religion, or want to comment on anything that we bring up in the show, send me a message at daniel at reenchantmentpod.com. I respond to every email that I get, and I'd be glad to hear from you. And now, my conversation with Nathan Robinson. Nathan, welcome to Reenchantment. Oh, it's so nice to talk to you at last. <laughs> so, Nathan, you are, you are the editor in chief, you're the founder of uh, Current oh. Affairs Magazine. It's a magazine that, uh, well, you explain it. What is, what is it about? <laughs> Why did you start we are, it?
1: Yeah, we're a bi monthly, left leaning political periodical, mm-hmm. and, but we're so much more. <laughs> right. I mean, you've got you've got such great art and
0: pictures. Because
1: well, the print it's... edition has not just political analysis, but because we uh, don't want to risk boring anyone with pure politi- left political analysis, we fill it with games and comics and satire and and art, as as you say, and just lots of lots of little weird things to cut out, paper dolls, and and we do this in part because our magazine is. I consider it a left magazine targeted at non-leftists, okay. so we want to reach an audience that is not just trying to digest whatever the left line on a particular thing is, but mm-hmm. wants to have an, in, an intrinsically enjoyable reading experience.
0: Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, I and I and I especially appreciate that because every time I open your magazine, I maybe I read some you know one article. The rest of the time, I'm playing the games and watching, yes, and looking at the, at, the, at the images, and I appreciate that. That's really what I want <laughs> from a magazine uh, these days. Um, the two of us we we met I, because we have a mutual friend in common. <laughs> oh, did uh, we meet Zachary Davis? Oh,
1: we met, Yes, Z- is that Z- who we met through?
0: Yeah, well, Zach, yeah. That, Zach was the. He told me as I was moving down to New Orleans, like. I, somebody just moved down there that I know you have to meet him his yeah. name is Nathan we'll, I'll, I'll get you two in touch yes and we 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 met, and we've been meeting did, ever since, but usually did, by accident. Did
1: we meet on purpose, or did we meet by accident We may, at have, first? We may have met because, by accident. Uh,
0: you and I frequent one
1: of the finest cafes in New Orleans, the Treme Coffee House. In, Louisiana, in, in maybe, Louisiana. Maybe further. The great Treme Coffee House, and, <laughs> and have run into each other many times. We mostly, You and I mostly meet... In, in the wonderful New Orleans way of just bumping into
0: each other around yeah. town. Yeah, and really, and, and for those that don't know about this magical property of New Orleans, when you live in this city, you 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 don't have to plan to meet your friends. No. you're, you're going to bump into you them. Just wander around, <laughs> and then your friends are there. And I, I thought it was a fluke the first time that I moved came I know. to the city. I
1: well, I keep I keep seeing you, and for a while I was going, is he following me, or do we just live in New Orleans? And or we just live in New Orleans, so we yeah. see each other. It's
0: very nice. Yeah, yeah. So, but we we also have another point of point of intersection. You went to Yale Law School. Yes, right? uh, I did. I went to. I try
1: not to tell people. <laughs> I try to keep my law career. Should I? Should I? Buried. Should I cut this out? No, no. You can tell people that I had a law, uh,
0: that I was a lawyer before I did the fun stuff. But I, I feel. Shameful. I feel like. <laughs> well, you. Uh, I I find it particularly interesting because you just you just pieced out right. Ah, uh,
1: yeah. I, well, sort of
0: of the law. Yeah, I graduated
1: from law school. Did you really? I okay. did. I did. No, I went to. I I passed the bar. I uh, I am technically a Louisiana <laughs> lawyer. If you get arrested this, this I in Louisiana, I, I could Nathan appear obviously. on your behalf in court. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend <laughs> hiring me, but <laughs> I could do it.
0: Mm, good to know. So when, whenever we meet at the Tremec Coffee House or wherever it is, we often spiral into you know interesting conversations about one thing or another. And today I want to talk about uh, this question that has been on my mind for a while now, and I and I. It's the question of are ideologies religions or are they religious in some way? Mm. And it's something that has stumped me, and I've gone back and forth on it for a while. And so, for, for, I want to kind of give a brief introduction for, for listeners about why this may be a complicated question. First off, there's, religion itself as a category is a complicated thing. And people that have been have studied religions, psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists—they are constantly have constantly disagreed upon about what religion is and how to define it. Mm. There, there was a, i found a quote from Patrick McNamara that that says, "Try to define religion, and you invite an argument."
1: Mm.
0: And I I think that's it's very true. And there have been meta studies. There was a meta analysis of Different, different articles by uh, different professors and researchers that try and look at what definitions they use to define religion in their studies. And there, there was somewhat like, like 30 different definitions that they found, none of which were particularly, none of which were definitive and none of which uh, necessarily agreed with one another. Right. And so the question of what is a religion itself is a, is a difficult question. One way to answer it is you could say like the Supreme Court Justice uh, Potter Stewart uh, said in regards to, to what is pornography. You know, you know it. I know it when I see it. That's kind of a that's kind of a cop out. It is kind of a cop out. Well, well, it's 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 interesting because it, what that is is actually it's the it's a radial radial category uh, and a radial category for those that don't know it's it's this concept of uh, a kind of category that doesn't have. Def- definite boundaries. So for an, for example, you can think of a, a bird. So you ask someone, is a robin a bird? And they say, yeah, a robin is a bird. But then you ask someone, is a penguin a bird? You think about it, it's like, yeah, it's technically a bird, but you're less inclined to just say, yes, absolutely, it's a bird because it swims, it doesn't fly, it waddles around and lives in the South Pole. The same thing with sports. Is soccer a sport? Yes. Is golf a sport? Eh, you know. Is chess a sport? Yeah. Line between games and sports. And right, stuff. right. And then with religion, is Christianity a religion? We'd say yes. Yeah. Is Buddhism a religion? Yeah. It's, 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 on the, it's on the cusp. What about something like communism? Or what about something like capitalism? And so there's this... It, it gets fuzzier around the boundaries of, of, of a certain category. And so the category of religions and the category of ideologies Seem to me like they are adjacent uh, categories, and it's, sometimes it's hard to tell where something falls in, in regards to yeah. these two. So, I guess what are what are your first reactions or first? <laughs> well, what's you, your, what's you your know, it's, on it's
1: it? interesting because I every time there are lots of areas in which where we try to have, where we try to categorize and classify and define things, we find that things that seem obvious end up seeming much less obvious, right? So I just wrote a book on socialism, and of course, the first thing everyone wants you to do is 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 define, it's called Why You Should Be a Socialist. The first thing everyone wants you to do is define socialism and say, what is it and what isn't it? What is capitalism? What is socialism? And I actually found, you know, it's a little unsatisfying. to And and they say, well, how does socialism differ from social democracy, right? Democratic socialism versus social democracy is, Social democracy, socialism, or is that just capitalism with a welfare state, right? So they ask you to do all these definitional things. I actually kind of shy away from that. And I say, well, instead of defining socialism as as a category, why don't we just look at let's set aside the definitional question and we'll say, look, what are, what are the things that the people who call themselves socialists believe? And sure. instead of me selling you on socialism, let me say, let me take socialism as a particular kind of political tendency that has arisen. What are the kinds of things that those people are pushing for? What do they have in common? And are those things good? Are they worth believing in? And so I, I kind of look at the history of socialist movements, and, and I especially talk about the lost history of socialism in the United States, and, uh, and, and make the case that many of the arguments that have been put forward by the people who call themselves socialists are correct. And so I think, I think with instead of trying to have the discussion, what is religion, right, and what is ideology, it might be more helpful to start by saying, okay, well, we have these things called Christianity, Islam, Buddhism. And as you say, we have things called capitalism, socialism, democracy, and we would consider one of the two to be kind of religious belief and one of the two to be ideal political or economic ideology. Mm-hmm. But what, what, as you say, what do those things have in common? What is different and what is similar about those two types of beliefs? So instead of trying to put each thing in its correct box, mm-hmm. and say, is is capitalism a religion? Well, of course, it depends on what definition we give to the term. Why don't we just look at what the substance of those mm-hmm. beliefs are and where they dissect, uh, where they diverge, and where they converge?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I I was looking at kind of two 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 examples of ideological systems that, and, and kind of like trying to track where where they intersect with. With with religious systems or re- religious behavior, because I think one of one of my favorite writers about religion, Tara Isabella Burton, she uh, said in an article, talking specifically about cults and trying to. Draw the line where yeah. Okay, what, what is a, a cult? cult? What is a religion? What is a, religion? What is, a religion? is a
1: cult just a small a religion sure. that hasn't got enough followers? Yet? Right, right, right.
0: Is right. right. a religion that still has a, its leader uh, that's still alive and and so, it's inherently insulting, the term, right? <laughs> right? Right, right. And no one wants to be in a cult. Nobody cause... wants to be in a cult. But she says if the boundaries between cult and religion are already slippery, those yeah. between religion and culture are more porous yeah. still. <laughs> and so it's, yeah. It's 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 make, she's making this point that like what where does where does religion end and where does just regular human culture begin, right. and and that itself is, is 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 perplexing. So okay, for 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 one example, I think I think an interesting example to start with okay. is communism, yeah. and the reason why the reason why is because communism is. Explicitly materialistic in its metaphysics. Yeah, you know it. it yeah, that's
1: very core to it. Yeah.
0: it. It doesn't it you know It doesn't you know, Marx said religion is anti-religious. It's, it's it defines itself as anti-religious yeah, it's explicitly anti-religious And and yet certain certain authors have pointed out that although although it's anti-religious it, 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 it seemed to be quasi-religious in its in many of its attributes, and it, and it varied between countries, and it varied between periods, depending on who was in charge and how it was right. implemented. But for example, you, you can argue that it has scripture. It has you know the, the oh, God, books of Marx. You you <laughs> have you have your dogmas. You have your teleology that that this idea that all of history is directed towards a certain end. The this communist utopia, prophets, and, and saints. there is a
1: next. There even there is a next life that is coming right and it is better than this one all the suffering and all the pain and all the toil and this is going to be
0: relieved at some point there is going to be some big cataclysm and after uh, it everything will be okay exactly exactly (laughs) which is which is exactly what you know many different religions but Christianity especially is there's the your your apocalypse and after which there will the kingdom of heaven will be on earth and, and and so there it's 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 striking and it's interesting to me because even in trying to move away and deny and, and eliminate religions, yeah. communism in various ways took on many of its attributes. Yes. Yeah, and, and we say communism is anti-religious, and, and Marx,
1: of course, was anti-religious in, in one way, but in, in another, it, it, the the phrase, the, you know, the opium of, of the people be it to the masses sometimes, is, is actually, well, in, the, in its context, not quite as anti-religious as it says because mm. he says that religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, which, are, which <laughs> is so beautiful, actually. Is, he says, yeah. he, he doesn't. He's not talking about religion quite as a, like, the, well, the priests are just bamboozling you with, mm. with dogma. He actually t- speaks of religion as being a kind of necessary something necessary that arises to cope with the conditions in which we find ourselves, Mm. to create meaning. And I think what is so fascinating is that Marxism and and Communism took on that same quality of being the sigh of the oppressed creature, right? that we're being something that is a set of ideas and explanations and aspirations that you can have when your condition seems futile in order to make it seem much less futile. And it gives you something very, very beautiful. It gives you something... To look forward to, it gives you something to war a project to work on. It yeah. gives you an it gives you an explanation to history so it's not just all absurdity. There's like a reason why yeah. things are happening and you can grasp that reason and when you grasp it it becomes more tolerable and it connects you to other people to fight a righteous fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does all of those things that are incredibly, incredibly useful.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and many Many kind of people that study religion, they they suspect that that's one of the one of the core things that brought a re- religion about. It. it it allows you to mobilize. It allows you to cooperate mm-hmm. with a shared narrative towards usually towards a better world, or at least aspiring towards a, a better world. And and yet with with these kinds of with these kinds of patterns, humanity seems to constantly in 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 all iterations of of this quest, it runs into various problems sometimes very bloody the the kind of you, you look at religious traditions and the 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 schisms that happen the the infighting the f- uh, factions USSR and China China versus Vietnam you have these purges that that happen that that try to eliminate anyone who is not a true believer yes and you see you see that in in uh, the inquisition in Spain yeah and you see that in early Soviet uh, society it's it, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to. It's hard to get away from these very human patterns that seem to come about again and again.
1: And and, and so, Marx and, and, and communism, Marxism and communism, purport to be doing something that is a science as opposed mm-hmm. to a faith. Yeah. And I think the the mistake is actually and and you might your first instinct might be to say well actually they're just doing faith. But I think the the, the other way to think about it is that religious traditions are also doing a kind of science mm. or, or at least an attempt at at this the, faith is not all that is going on, mm-hmm. right? The the tenets of religious belief and of communism are are an argument that some particular set of rules about how the world works are true they are correct yeah. they are an argument that when you look at the world and when you see how various things work this is what is going on it is kind of an empirical claim really yeah and so one of the reasons why it tends so much towards this these intolerance i think is because it isn't just uh, an admission that well we don't know this is a guess we're we're kind of right. we're taking a leap here it's this feeling no we have discovered how these things work and if so if you if you differ you are you are ignorant and wrong because sure. these are these are rules by which the world works i mean yeah. certainly marxism yeah. believes that it has discovered laws yeah. of historical development it has discovered the principles by which capitalism operates and right. the principles that, therefore by which a revolution and a classless society can come about so if you start deviating and if you start questioning the rules you are undermining the possibility of creating that better world yeah. so it's understandable that there would be an instinct to punish and expel those who violate we call them derisively dogmas now but actually what it is is the same way that those who believe in scientific Think well. You can't. You can't have people who just totally reject scientific truth. Mm -hmm. Those who are communists believe you can't have people who are trying to undermine the entire project and reject these these vital revealed Mm -hmm. truths.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although it's there, there is and and the quest for science has has its many pitfalls and blind spots as well. But I guess there's there's a, a difference in the scientific project as compared to religious and and also these political projects that have and the difference is is that those those non science kind of maintains a level of agnosticism Mm -hmm. that it any scientist will will admit that okay we we don't really really know and with these other uh, movements religious or intensely political, there is a sense that it, the narrative of the world collapses around a single yeah. narrative, and that then becomes ossified.
1: We, that Actually, we're, we're better off probably comparing something like Marxism or something like an intolerant religious belief, not to scientific belief, but to the thing that is called scientism, mm. which is what I see in people like Sam Harris and Steven Pinker, sure. which is essentially science without the doubt. Right? It's a belief in what is called rationality, but combined with this intolerance and lack of self-scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And so you can have something that accepts the basic tenets of scientific truth, but does not have that core agnosticism that has right. that same level of certainty mm-hmm. that I think is extremely dangerous when it is part of a religious tradition. It's extremely dangerous when it is part of a political or economic analysis, and I think can even be extremely dangerous when it is tied to sci- supposedly sure. scientific principles, which sure, is why sure. I, I'm so I'm
0: so frightened of those kinds of guys. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it, and, and I, I agree. I think science taken as as, a, as an absolute just truth without, without a skepticism about the process with which we have come to our scientific discoveries—that itself is—that's—that's—that's you know, that's, that's not uh, good science. It, it slips into the realm of of belief and faith, and. At the same time, it's 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 a difficult question because those those who want to doubt science and 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 completely like subvert it, they will say, well, yeah, you can't just be totally on board with science. There there are things science doesn't know, so that's an excuse to believe in in, in angels or aliens or aliens are real, aliens aliens we suspect dead are 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 statistically statistically there are aliens. There are most likely It's so aliens.
1: arrogant to believe we're the
0: only, we're yeah, the highest yeah. form
1: of life in the universe. I it's, mean, come it's, on. it's
0: statistically, we, there's, there's probably something The out dubious there. thing is that there are aliens that walk among us. That's, that's yes. the dubious. And that's what, so Carl Sagan made that distinction too, where he, for a, for a long time, there was like this uh, SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Life or Intelligence, was was nobody nobody would touch it because all the, all these UFO like tin hats running around yeah. saying like, I was abducted and like my yeah. cows were, Abduction is great, but right. the but the
1: but the. In fact, you you said you were going to open by asking me something that uh, oh yes, that I, I experience wonder and awe, and <laughs> I had my answer. prepared. Oh, oh, oh
0: please, please. So my, my you mistake. said what
1: what what gives you wonder and awe? And no. the thing that gives me wonder and awe is contemplating the number and variety of probable aliens. <laughs> I think a lot about the 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 rest of the universe. The yeah. fact that it is probably a universe teeming with life, yeah. right? If, if we are representative rather than exceptional, Mm-hmm. which I think I, my instinct is that we're probably representative rather than exceptional, then the universe is so vast and probably so filled with things that we cannot even imagine. Oh. And I love it. and that just it just overwhelms me with wonder <laughs> every time I even go near that set of thoughts. So we, you know, uh, we, yeah, yeah. we um, wandered towards <laughs> the thing that gives me wonder at all.
0: No, no, no. It, it's, that's a beautiful thought. And, uh, and, and really, I was talking uh, in my episode about Einstein with, with Lex- he, he mentioned the same kind of awe that he feels when, right, uh, you know, you think about the Drake Equation and uh, which basically says like if you're, if you look at all the different stars in the, in the, in the galaxy, in the universe, multiply that by the, pro- even, even the slightest yeah. probability that there will be some kind of life, you get astronomical oh, no. numbers. Oh, it's extraordinary. So, so most likely we are not alone. They are out there. Whether they have visited us, that is a lot more yeah. dubious. Right. Okay, but re- coming coming back to uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to take you far afield from the point. It's uh, no, that's it's it's a wondrous it's a wondrous thought. Okay, well, so the other the other kind of ideology or you know a political institution that I was thinking of in terms of its parallels with religiousness is the USA, the United yeah. States. It has a scripture. It has your constitution, declaration yes. of independence. has its saints. As has its saints. You have your founding fathers, Washington, Jefferson. Yeah. Hamilton has recently made a big comeback. Yeah, they're wrong. And various Enlightenment thinkers, <laughs> Rousseau yes. and Montesquieu. Uh, and it, it, there have been there have been variations in different versions of teleology for example the 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 kind of push westward to to just yeah. spread america yeah. to to across the continent yeah. we did that and and in the past century there's there's been yes. a, a push towards bringing democracy egalitarian liberal free markets to the rest of the world there's yes. a kind of teleology there oh
1: it's very frightening right in, in a way because you mentioned manifest destiny right which yeah. is it justifies it justifies mass murder, right? Because if you it, 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 believe yes, has, that something is your destiny, and you believe that, and and this is, we also see a little bit of this in on the in the right in Israel, which is and in the dispossession of the Palestinians, which is one of the most dangerous ways of thinking. Is it is our destiny to take this land, and mm. thus the people who are in it. We can feel sympathy for them, we can like them, whatever, but ultimately, like, there is an unfolding historic process, which we don't even have agency in. So the things that you do, you are able to not even see as you consciously taking and making the choice to do them. Mm -hmm. It is, this is foreordained. Yeah. And that was that was just, and we, and we see the fruits of that in the United States, which is just the the native population just completely wiped out. But and, and in part that that idea is so so frightening.
0: Yeah, and, and it gets to this point that I kind of brought up earlier. But it seems like whether whether or not you are religious and you believe in, in God's deities, supernatural powers, or whether or not you are trying to, to cleave to science or, or a materialistic you know, view of the world, we are susceptible to very similar kinds of actions and patterns of action. And so, really, I think yeah. the, the yeah. human nature is the main problem here. And, and, and I say problem kind of in quotes because it's really more of a circumstance, just like gravity is a circumstance, you're, you're not going to be able to solve gravity by somehow undoing it. It's it's there. It's a circumstance of, of our of our planet of our existence. Right. And so, the question is, how do you manage this circumstance? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think there's a conservative tendency, which is to look at natural human tendencies or things that we see recur over and over and be very pessimistic and say, well, that's human nature. You can't overcome that. This is the way we are. We are these these fallen, flawed creatures. But gravity is an interesting example because you can't change gravity, but you can fly. Right. So you can overcome. So the question is. To what degree are those things that are natural tendencies within ourselves able to be corrected through understanding them and through trying to account for them? Uh, Or are they permanent fixed features that no amount of intelligent self-scrutiny is ever going to counteract? And I tend to be kind of an optimist, which is I I, I think that if you notice these things, if you watch out for these things, and if you start from a position of doubt rather than certainty, if you try to understand the ways in which you can get caught up in certain ideas that are very attractive and very persuasive, but they're persuasive for reasons that are not necessarily rational, I, I think we can, in fact, overcome, and we can take some of the really good parts mm-hmm. of both, I, I think I think communism has really beautiful parts, I think, I think religion has really beautiful parts, and we can take those beautiful parts without the, the kind of mindlessness that can occasionally accompany it.
0: Yeah, 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 and, and it's, it's a hard task because you have to disentangle the good from the bad right you have to be able to not only i think start from a position of doubt but also maintain doubt even even as you learn more about the world even as you see patterns emerging you have to always be questioning okay am i am i sure about this am i sure that 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 what this consensus that we've seemed to come to is this really the the right and only way to go and it's it's hard and that's the you know human beings are are much better at i think Really going headfirst into 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 belief, yeah. and and also that believing things strongly, as we I, th- I think we've seen in these various cases, that intensity it is really great for mobilization and for action, and doubt yeah. is not. Well, you've mentioned the the sort of the left economic
1: ideology. I think it's important to note that we see many of the same features in. Uh, neoliberal free market ideology, which is that, and it also has this feature that I'm I'm writing a book right now, which is on, which is called Responding to the Right, which is about conservative arguments and and why they persuade people Mm -hmm. and how to take them apart. One really important thing to note is that they are persuasive. Mm -hmm. This is true of Marxism and it is true of Milton Friedman, Right. Marxism helps you understand, it gives you a way of understanding what is going on around you. It gives you a way of going, ah, I see, Th- this, is, this is a process of exploitation driven by the capitalist ceaseless desire to accumulate. That is what is going on in my workplace. Now I understand what is going on. And the Friedmanite free market uh, set of ideas is also extremely persuasive because they look and they say well what is going on is people making free contracts between each other and when we enter into a transaction we do it because it's mutually beneficial. I give you something, you give me something, we're both better off, no one has coerced us. When those transactions occur all over the country by the billions We are all constantly being made slowly better off. We have, once again, this teleology, right? We are moving towards a better and better world through the aggregation of increased utility that comes through freely made transactions. And that is... That has a kind of it's kind of a beautiful vision of human evolution and sure, progress, sure. and it also is kind of persuasive because it partly corresponds to, to what to, goes on. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 same same thing with the kind of with Marx's view right. and and with various religious views. It's it's they're not built on air. No. They they are looking at the world and they're seeing certain patterns and they're and they're creating theories based on those patterns. But in a sense, they're they're incomplete in some sense, yeah. or they make assumptions that maybe aren't justified. There, there's this new thought, for example, like if you, if you think positively, good things will happen, the law of attraction. If you think about riches or, or, or health or whatever, you will bring that into your life. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, it seems to actually kind of work for some people. Yes. But why does it work? Is it because you have these magical auras and energies and powers, or is it something to do with the psychology of well if you think positive things if you constantly imagine yourself succeeding you're probably going to be you know better able to to deal with the conflict or difficulties yeah there's this assumption that's that's made that we're you're you're seeing something that's working in the world and you assume that okay well it's because of this, this, this other theory that I've attached to this, to this, to
1: this process. It's true that positivity can get you things, right? Yeah. There were all these attempts to come up with theories of, of success. There was that that book, Grit, a while right. ago, which was like the gritty kids, the kids who like really, really work out There though, it's, it's about persistence. Success yeah. is about persistence, and of course, there's something to it in that if you work, you're probably statistically more likely to succeed if you. Persist rather yeah. than when you don't. Yeah, yeah. But also, there are a lot of people who persist and work really hard and get nothing at all. And that's not, that's not enough. That's not
0: sufficient for success.
1: No. And I've just been. Re- I just wrote an article for the new issue of Current Affairs*, which is about. I read like fifteen memoirs by billionaires, and it's really <laughs> interesting because all of the billionaires have a way of explaining the world as just. They have it's uh, it's the equivalent of theodicy. Right, okay. it's 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 explaining the problem of evil away, yeah. which is like, why is it that I have a billion dollars and, and the and people I grew up doesn't. with don't have a billion dollar? Isn't yeah. that unfair? Isn't that a yeah. sign that the world is operating in this very arbitrary, absurd, and unjust way? So they come up with stories mm. of why it is that. They deserve their fortune, sure. and everything's okay, and it's not like really disgusting and unjust and absurd.
0: What, what, what is, were there some certain patterns or uh, yeah that emerged?
1: I mean, there, there's always this sense that like, well, I did all these things to create value. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had no all of them acknowledge that there's a certain role of luck. But they downplay it. It's always emphasizing how hard I worked, the, the ways that I innovated things, the things that other people didn't do and didn't notice that I chose to do. But the funny thing is, and this is kind of that comes into my article, is when you examine this story that is told about wealth versus... Oh, and the other thing that they do is they emphasize heavily their philanthropy so it's even if i even if i got this in a kind of unjust way i i make it just i confer legitimacy on my wealth by giving a portion of it away and being a good person mm-hmm. and by giving credit to people and giving help to people i can mm-hmm. make this all right and the yeah. world and the, everything is right in the world and there's nothing wrong with capitalism <laughs> nothing wrong with capitalism
0: right <laughs> right right i, I, I mean it's, it's a whole question of like do the do the means justify the ends kind of if the ends are if the ends are really good look at all the money i've given to all these all right. these charities and all this this solve cancer but at the same time if you made all that money in trading guns or well, trading you know the, uh,
1: <laughs> The funny thing, is, so two interesting things come out of, of examining how these stories hold up. Because mm-hmm. what I was trying to do is, is take the stories and look, well, are they true, yeah. right? And one thing is, it's true that these guys work hard. Mm-hmm. And they're all guys. It's true that they work hard. Yeah. But the question is, I think Marx had a quote about, like, it doesn't matter how hard you work if you're, like, a, a, a slave driver, right? If you're, like, like you, the legitimacy of what you do... Yeah. is independent of how hard you work at doing it. Mm-hmm. And so they actually work they work they're not lazy people. In fact, usually they have no sense of culture. They have no that everything is about making money for them. But the other thing is it's not usually that they were like arms dealers. Usually what it is is they are monopolists or they are people who move money around. Mm-hmm. They are not the important thing is they are not innovators Mm. so their story about I create things of value for the world Mm. and I am getting back what I have given to the world in terms of my creativity that doesn't hold up because usually the way that you make a pile of money and I I say this in the article that the article has like if you want to make a pile of money here's how you do it (laughs) and what you do is you gain control over something that a lot of people need Uh right so like one guy made a ton of money because he found a patent that was going to be, like, he didn't invent the thing, but he found the guy who had a patent that was, like, really, really important in a bunch of different technologies, and he just, like, was incredible, he helped that guy be, like, really, really litigious about the patent, and was like, but I get a percentage every time they pay you, and, like, because this piece of a laser is in, like, every DVD player, Uh he makes an absolute fortune off of, like, some other guy's invention. So that's what you do. Don't invent something. (laughs) Find a way to, like, put a fence round a lake that
0: everyone needs water from. Sure, right, sure. that's what you do. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I well, I, I I mentioned the the arms dealer actually because of uh, of Nobel because oh, right. the Nobel Peace Prize the Nobel prizes were founded by by and what's his first name, but this he was he was Nobel was an arms dealer and he was scared into by this as the story goes like this obituary that like his rival like put into the paper and. That he was remembered as this, this, this horrible person who, who sold arms to all these different conflicts. And he was like, <laughs> he
1: managed to fix his reputation. He did. He did. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Well,
0: how will it work? Right. Nobody remembers him as the arms dealer now. Now they remember him as the peace one that – Peace prize. Yeah. He, he, he founded these, these peace uh, prizes, these, these scientific prizes. So funny. But <laughs> that's, the, that's one example. You know, uh, we oftentimes justify to ourselves how we got to where we are. And because n- almost nobody really thinks of themselves as a terrible person. No. We, we have these narratives that no. are told to us or that we tell ourselves. <laughs> the only people who think of themselves as terrible people are actually good people. Sure. they right. sure. Yeah. yeah. They're they're the ones that, <laughs> that, that have incredible amounts. <laughs> but of none of the terrible in. people think of themselves as terrible
1: people. Right, terrible right. people all think they're great.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the you know, ironic patterns of human nature, and so you have you have you have these uh, these stories that oftentimes are are, are self justifying, and you you see this this in yeah. religious traditions. You see this in. Not national patriotic stories. Oh, yeah. And, and you see I mean, this in, in, in economic uh, situations, both left and right. It's, it's, we're, it's justified because of the ends.
1: Well, there's a very disturbing realization that everyone needs to have, which is that the, the Nazis thought that they were helping. So, no, I mean, when you look at, at quotes, they, they believe that they are doing good for their people. Yeah. All of that. And they believed at their core that everything that they were doing was in accordance with the fact that there the, the were things that were wrong with other people, mm. that people needed to be exterminated because they were bad. Yeah. They were bad and evil and dirty and gross, and they were spreading cleanliness and goodness and health. And, yeah. and 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 kind of justice and there's a, there's this fantastic uh, comedy sketch by Mitchell and Webb with the two Nazis sitting around where they go or, the, are, are we the scu- baddies are we the baddies yeah, uh, yeah. And they look there, they go I, I notice we have skulls on our on <laughs> our caps do you think the good guys in this would have the skulls or are we the bad guys and I I mean it's it's really funny but it's so it's so true that. It, it captures something very, very important, which yeah. is that you will never know if you are the bad person. Yeah. You, you won't know until, unless. You, so, this is why it's so important to be self critical. And this is why really fixed and rigid ideologies are so frightening because you have to have some mechanism in your set of beliefs and your analysis to check mm-hmm. whether what the other person thinks and how they see it. You've gotta yeah. have empathy, you've gotta be able to see things from the point of view of someone who is opposed to you to understand how you look to them yeah. as well as how they look to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, this gets to the that difficult territory that, that human beings seem to struggle with. It takes a long time to be able to to develop these these patterns, these habits of thoughts. This is a theory of mind that that is constantly not only you know checking your 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 own mind, but like the minds of other people and, and how. Or usually we just yeah. check the minds of other people. Like they're they're wrong because of this or that, yeah. and that because of their own delusions and, and and whatnot. But it's so hard to put the mirror up to ourselves.
1: Yes, it it, it is it is. I mean, I try and I think that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I try and check whether I'm full of crap a lot of the time. Are there any specific think, ways that you yeah, do that? Yeah, I mean, well, you, well, you've, got to, you've got to be thinking all the time. This is also why I'm a good writer, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I I. actually think of myself as a, as a good... I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be modest, but I also like my writing, right? Yeah. And I think that one reason... I wasn't always a good writer. I once was a very bad writer. Yeah. But now I'm a good writer. And one of the reasons that I'm a good writer is because... I have developed I have grown a little editor in my head yeah. right I'm an editor now so I apply a very very I'm not a good first draft writer mm-hmm. right but by the time I put something out to the world it's good because I have like attacked it ruthlessly in my head yeah. so I have got in my head there's a little Milton Friedman there's a little Karl Marx there's a little Noam Chomsky there's a little Emma Goldman there's a little all of these is a little Huey Newton there's a little you know, I want to
0: make it into that list you know there, there's, there's lots
1: of and and so there's all these people where I run their my ideas by these yeah. and I try and build what I think they would say so that I can understand so they go well what, are, what would someone say against what I'm saying, yeah. right? It's important when you're writing to think, what are the counterarguments here? Mm-hmm. Am I, what, when someone reads this, how are they going to react? Are they going to go, well, he's full of crap because he missed. Why hasn't he addressed at this point? So sure. I try and make sure that I've addressed to that point. And by doing that, by thinking, well, how will other people and incorporating the counterarguments and constantly thinking, what are the counterarguments to my position? Mm-hmm. What would people say to me? That is a really, really helpful mechanism for improving your thinking and making sure that you can see points where actually you were wrong, you clarify things, you refine things, that helps you
0: to, to avoid saying things that are stupid and bad. Sure, sure, yeah. And and so often, uh, that's why it's important to work with editors. As, yes. as a writer myself, yeah. uh, it's my writing has, has become increasingly better because I've also put an editor no. in my own head, but because if you're able to work with somebody that is really good, yes. they're able to see things that you cannot even with your internal editor and and that goes into this whole that's why it's important to have dialogue in society yes because other other people are able to provide that those counter arguments arguments that maybe you on your own could not come up with yeah or that even between between different cultures between different religions between different political systems having those discussions in a way that you know is productive and that's that's maybe the harder part
1: <laughs> and and you have to also avoid the other extreme which is if you have too much self doubt and not any confidence sure and then you 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 figure out all of the reasons why every single thing you say actually there are, there's another side to it and mm-hmm. You just end up not really having any strong beliefs because you see all sides. I just yeah. wrote a thing about Barack Obama. And one of the problems with Barack Obama is that he's a person who thinks that everyone's right. Everyone's got a point, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, well, I can see, I can see. He's a very empathetic person. And he mm-hmm. can see, he's like, well, the Republicans, they've got a point, And the left, they've got a point. Mm-hmm. And the people who, everyone's got a point. And you think, well, yes. But it's also important, there are, there are very serious issues of justice in the yeah. world, yeah. and you have to be able to take a stand. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very skeptical of like Marxism as a fixed set of ideas. I didn't really like Karl Marx because he doesn't listen to other people, he just tells <laughs> everyone what he thinks. But... I am also a very staunch socialist, Uh right? Because I do think that there are sets of beliefs that are wrong. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that being able to empathize and being able to have self-doubt does not mean that everybody's right. And it does not mean that there are not really really important stances that you have to take yeah and so you can't you can't slip into uh well i i don't know what i believe you gotta you gotta find some beliefs <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's true it's true and i've come to that at the end of the road uh, so to speak in, in in terms of thinking like that myself like at the end of the day like you have to you have to take a stand you have to decide well this is what i believe i i, I want to affirm life i believe life should be I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist in that in that way too. I think human life should continue it's, it's a good thing yeah. It's got a lot of problems but you could you could very much take the, the complete nihilistic uh, and, and uh, point of view well it's, it doesn't really matter you know the, in the grand scheme of things like what, is it, what does it matter what we do here on earth like our species could go into, into the, the quiet night and hopefully there's a, a better species out there somewhere in the vast uh, <laughs> vast star systems above that is that is figuring it out better than us. But I think we do need to take, take a stand on certain things. And it, just this image comes to mind. A friend of mine talked about how forest, you have different creatures, some of which feed upon others. The, the, the deer, for example, doesn't understand the wolf. And in a sense, the wolf doesn't understand the deer. And, but they're able to kind of balance one another in an ecosystem in a way that is actually healthy for the ecosystem itself. Uh, and so they, getting rid of and killing wolves in various national uh, forests and national parks, they, f- they studied the effects of when the wolves were taken away. The rampant deer populations destroyed the vegetation. It, it, it changed the whole ecosystem. When they introduced the wolves again, the deer populations went down, and a new, and a new balance was restored. And it's, it's, it's hard to not be... You, you have to be something you have to 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 be a deer or to be a wolf but the hard the harder part is you you have to also be able to understand the other side you have to be able to understand okay what is it why why be able to to manage in some way your your own behavior in towards towards others and see see other points but also retain your essence
1: Yes, I, I, I accept the deer and wolf example unless it is used as an argument that we need Republicans, right? Because there is a cer- certain there is a certain view of politics that says, well, you need you need both uh, you, know, you you need both in order to you've got a point you've got a point and together we'll and, and I think it is okay if, if you are the deer to wish there were no wolves and as long as you understand what the consequences of that are. So when I think, and, and what more specifically what I mean here is, when I think about, as a person on the left, when I think about the, the when I read conservative arguments, I do not think, well, I, I see certain important points and cautions in conservative arguments, right? So, for example, there are a lot of conservative critiques of authoritarian communist states but are quite valid and i think those critiques you need to take on board Mm -hmm. you need to understand those critiques but that does not mean that we are better off having radical free market capitalists Mm -hmm. making their case because i don't think we're better off i think it's a persuasive but wrong case that ultimately does a lot of harm. I think what we need to do instead is take from understand it on its own terms and take the the kernels of what is correct and incorporate them into our own analysis. So if we say well the the central in, the central important point that libertarians make for example is that attempts to coerce people using the power of the state often backfire Mm -hmm. that's really really important you want to take that on board Mm -hmm. you need to know that but that does not mean that like we need a few libertarians in office it means that we need to draw from every tradition that has developed a little piece of of insight that Mm -hmm. we can that we can use yeah
0: yeah the, the, the difficulty is, uh, again, is like you have all these different parties, different ideas, okay, libertarian or, or anarchist, socialist, or Democrat, Republican, all of these different people there. Ideally, if we had just like these kind of like impartial people in the center that are really running things and like, okay, this is good from here. That's good from there. This is good yeah. from there. We're going to incorporate all of these good parts, and they're going to work together. Like that would that would be ideal. But nobody is nobody is really doing that, or few people can. And that's that's where, at least in part, there there is I see I see some wisdom in a kind of a system that allows for conflict, that allows for different yeah. sides to exist. The difficulty is when it, you get this polarization happening. That that really there's these these two antipodes these two you know opposing sides that really are unwilling to 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 take the good from the other side and realize okay there's a better synthesis than than than, than either of these far extreme positions.
1: Well, I think one problem has been that there is a again because centrism is is done in this country so. Appallingly, because it is someone like it comes in the form of Obama going, well, everyone's right. Instead of being there's this idea that like the synthesis is just like mushy rather sure. than rather than accepting that there are points. So, for example, like it's on the left, we argue frequently and vociferously for single payer healthcare. Mm -hmm. Right, And the argument that the moderate would make is, well, let's compromise, we'll have a market system, but we'll regulate it. Mm -hmm. I do not think that that is the correct way to be a moderate or be someone who synthesizes different ideologies. Mm -hmm. I think the correct way is to say, for example, the right is correct that bureaucracy, state bureaucracy, can be stifling. The left is correct that there is a right to health care that should mm-hmm. be provided by the state. Yeah. So what what is the synthesis? The synthesis is not a regulated market system. Mm-hmm. The synthesis is government provided healthcare mm-hmm. that is constructed in a way that the institution is designed to be to have as little red tape as possible to make sure that it is accountable and mm-hmm. democratic and that it does not embody those tendencies of, of government that give rise to the right-wing critique of, of government as yeah. inefficient and, and useless and, and stifling.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. There, there, there are different forms of combining and synthesizing ideas, different f- forms of compromise, and the results of which are, are not always not always uh, equal. There there, are some forms of compromise that I think would probably be, be more more effective and more more just than others. Right.
1: Yeah, compromise isn't good just because it's compromise. Yeah, that's,
0: right. a, that's right. a good point. But it, a... it
1: has to be, you have to take, you have to have principles of justice and you have to examine whether you are, whether whatever you have created is conforming to uh, that set of principles.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I want to move on to, to the last little segment here. Yeah. So when I bring the guests on, I like to ask them for contribution to the thesaurus, uh, the Thesaurus for Atheists. And basically, it's there are religious languages, religious language. Much, much of the, many of the words that we use to express deep feelings, you know, come from religious language and mm. have religious bag, baggage. Like we talk about soul, we talk about transcendence, we talk about even having a, a religious uh, experience or a spiritual experience. Uh, do you have an, a word or idea that kind of reaches and, and embodies a deep human experience, but doesn't? have the baggage of religious language. Let me think of, Can I think about this for a minute? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cut out yes, however long... if you my thinking it looks like I am a
1: spontaneously intelligent and witty person. Hang on just a sec. Let's see. Um... Uh, um well, well, you know, um... As I say, so I, I come. Uh, I come from this uh, at this from the perspective of not just a person who is non-religious, but as a person who is a socialist trying to free socialism from some of the quasi-religious dimensions that it has had. I would say that, but there is something very beautiful and very important about the socialist belief in a better world and it and, and the, the next the kind of next society that we will have and in that progression and the, the march towards that progression it is a religious kind of concept when you reduce it to historical materialism and phases of history it can become it, it, it actually uh, I think can be more harmful and, and can inhibit political action more than it helps create it. But the longtime socialist belief that this earthly, this, this grubby, suffering, toiling world that we have is not the best we can do, but that there is the next world of, of, of socialism, I think is very, very inspiring. I don't know whether it's true. <laughs> and again, that is something that comes kind of from religion, is this faith in this in this next kind of world that we will build together. Yeah. But I, I love it and it really animates me, and I think it is important not to lose it, even as we critique those religious
0: elements of left political ideology. Is there is there a certain word or phrase well, I that I think, think if if embodies a, it? Mm, I
1: was trying to think if there's a, a there's a uh, a word or or phrase. Uh, let's see. So, okay. Well, it, I, I would say it's the earthly paradise, isn't it? Earthly paradise. It's the earthly paradise. Okay. Yeah it's it's the it's the belief that we can that we can create the the the, the utopia uh, mm-hmm. right here that we don't have to wait for. That there is no next life, but we can build the earthly paradise.
0: Yeah, and 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 it's even even though <laughs> I I personally don't believe in imperfection or or utopias, but I I also believe that there is something useful to have that as a concept that you also know that you may not. That, yeah. that you that is, is not. It's a guiding achievable. star, right? Right. It's you like don't it's, reach it; it's, you it's, just it's a, move towards it. Right. It's a north star. It's useful yes. as for guidance, yes. but you never actually touch it.
1: Yes, and uh, and that is important to bear in mind because that you you as a flawed person are not going to actually build an earthly paradise, but to to, to dream of this thing to have it constantly in mind, uh, I I think is incredibly helpful as we find ways to deal with the difficulties of you know, life under uh, life under capitalism.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and one, one word, yeah, I don't even know if this is a, it just the notion of a flawed paradise. Earth, Earthly kind of gets gets the same thing though, Earthly?
1: It's, yeah. It's Earthly is, yeah, right, it's because yeah.
0: it's of this world, right? It, <laughs> yeah. is, it, it is, and so it operates
1: by the rules of this world, yeah. and this is not going to be a perfect world, right? but it could be
0: some kind of paradise. All right, Nathan, thank you so much for coming thank on to the podcast. Thank you. It's been really fun. It has been. It has been. And you have a podcast as well, uh, Current Affairs Podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah,
1: listen to Current Affairs. All
0: right. We'll do. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. If you'd like to purchase Nathan's book, Why You Should Be a Socialist, go to reenchantmentpod.com and click on the bookshop link on the front page. When you buy a book through that link, 10% of the proceeds will go towards supporting Reenchantment. And because Reenchantment is an affiliate of Bookshop.org, you'll also be supporting indie bookshops around the country. And if you're the type of person who just has too many books to read and find yourself losing your way among stacks of half-finished or unopened books, don't worry, you're in good company. There's actually a word in Japanese called tsundoku, which means buying books and letting them pile up unread. Thank you to Joanne, A listener from London who contributed some of her favorite foreign words to Aethesaurus, Tsundoku was a favorite of mine. And whether you're blessed or cursed with Tsundoku, go to the website and treat yourself to a new book. There's something strangely beautiful about a house filled with pillars of unread books. And as it often happens, a book can often turn out to be far better in your head before you even open it than after the final page. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time on re